Testing, testing, one, two, three. Testing, testing, one, two, three. Everything bothers him. He's unbothered. He calls it unbothered, but that's what's cute because everything bothers him. He's bothered. I'm a botherina. Hello, everybody. And welcome to yet another episode of Unbothered by Ty Rivera. As always, we come to you from high atop Ty Rivera Studios, a.k.a. Casa de Bijou. Bijou is currently at her uncle Chris Rubio's house. She and Jerry are uh, enjoying their time, I'm sure, at Chris Rubio's house. They just got there a couple hours ago. So they're still in the honeymoon phase. They're going to be there for the next 12 days. While I am in China, which is where I'm headed, Wednesday I fly out. And, um, you know, I like being in China. This is my second time there. So I liked being there, I should say. Um, And I just wonder what the gym situation is going to be like there. Tonight, um, you guys are going to miss it if you're not in the Long Beach area, but I'm doing an underwear show at Harvell's in Long Beach. So that's going to be a regular thing. So if you guys ever decide you want to see me in my undies, uh, we're going to be doing it probably, I think, once a month. So I'll keep you guys posted on that. And we did the LGBT show at um, Harvell's a couple of months back. And that was really fun and really good. And I plan to do another one of those and have a different lineup of LGBT comics from the L.A. area or some that may just be in town visiting. Uh, I hope to get as many LGBT comics on as possible. I know this is Pride Month, and apparently I missed Gay Pride L.A., which was over the weekend that just happened. Um, What's today? It's like the 12th, I think going into the 13th of June. So this is Pride Month. Uh, this is a official Pride Month, I guess, because, you know, New York happens at the end of the month, I think, or maybe they happen at the same time as us. Sometimes they happen at the same time as us, it feels like, and sometimes, no, New York and San Francisco, I think, are usually on the same weekend. But anyway, this is Pride, Pride Weekend um, here in L.A. and Pride Month the world over or in the United States. I don't know who all does pride but uh here's the deal i had somebody um a friend of mine mention on twitter today that uh they were hoping that on unbothered that i would address the um pride march turning into a or pride parade turning into a resistance march and you know i'm gonna be real honest i don't know what anybody's resisting about right now Uh, as far as i know donald trump hasn't said anything about the gay community and they're not in any real danger of anything happening right now so if these gays want to run around and panic then have at it enjoy it i don't care what you do i'm just so over people and they're constantly going for a march like why don't you just admit you feel like going for a walk and go for a walk already instead of calling it a march all the time and making it seem like it's some kind of protest or this isn't the 60s you guys i'm so tired of people acting like or trying to recreate that and i really do feel like it comes from a lot of people wanting to feel like they have some purpose in their life I've really started to feel that way about everything, and I'm still in the midst of my Facebook ban. I think I've got something like 10 days left, and I got to tell you guys, I'm still enjoying it. I'm enjoying the no beeping, the no buzzing, unbothered. You guys are listening, like always, uh, you know, or like you have been, so that's been consistent, and numbers have even gone up a little bit, nor people seem to be especially listening kind of right away as soon as I post, which I really appreciate that, and I hope that continues, and I want to continue to go grow unbothered. And I'm going to look into different ways of doing that while I'm on back on Facebook, and I have some fun guests coming up. Today's just me because uh, I got a pack tonight, and I was in Sacramento over the weekend. But what I was trying to get at, we'll talk about Sacramento in just a second because I think there were some interesting things that happened there that maybe I can – hopefully impart a little bit of knowledge to some of the other comics that listen and i appreciate the comics that have hit me up and told me that they like unbothered uh as far as learning a little bit about comedy or what it's like to be on the road or some of the tips that i give and i try to keep a balance you know of like what's going on in my life kind of just general gossip what's going on in 
the news if I'm interested in that or politics in that particular week. But I, you know, I got to say, and also I try not to get too negative and keep it fun for you guys, even though I know I definitely do talk about the things that bother me. And I'll always do that because that's the process of being unbothered. And I know I've mentioned it before, but I'm just going to say it again for the people that may be tuning in. You'll wonder why it's called unbothered because I talk about all the things that bother me. But talking about what bothers you is how you become unbothered. Then by the end of my episode, I usually feel like on whatever topic I'm talking about that I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I, I feel like I'm at peace with that situation. I think that's the reason a lot of people stay mad at me long term is because some people never get it out. So they have all these things that they want to say to me when they're mad. I say everything that comes to my mind when I'm mad at somebody. Like if they come after me and I usually don't really get mad at people for nothing or out of nowhere or for their opinions or any of that stuff. Like I think sometimes from my social media, people get the idea that I'm constantly arguing with people or that kind of thing. But anybody that knows me in my real life, you know, like I hang out with Kenny Lyon a lot. Kenny Lyon is one of my best friends. Chris Doran is my best friend. Uh, Carmen Morales is another best friend. All of them have been on Unbothered if you guys want to check out old episodes and get to know a little more about them. But those are the people that I hang out with. And if you were to talk to any of them, you would find out that really my life is pretty chill. But I definitely do take my time on Unbothered. And when I'm on Facebook, I'll get into it with people. But that's one of the things that's been good about not being on Facebook. And when I go back to Facebook, I know that things are going to change a little bit. And it's it's weird because it's not because of the band, but it but at the same time it also is because of the band. Because what I have come to realize over this time without having Facebook, I've enjoyed having my life back as weird as that might sound. And I always say that I don't spend a lot of time on Facebook because I'm doing other stuff, you know, like going to the gym or on my way to the whatever I've got to do, the grocery store, running errands, you know. I, But I think about it now that I'm not on it and it's like, yeah, I am a lot more engaged in whatever I'm doing in the moment right now while I don't have Facebook as an option. And I'll check it, you know, like like in the morning or at night, I'll check it just to see what's going on with my friends and see how everybody's doing, that kind of stuff, the friends that I don't get to see. And lately I haven't got to see a lot of people because I've been so busy that I haven't been able to hit the mics like I usually do. Or I was in the Bay Area where I hit mics because I went to the Bay Area early, like Wednesday I think it was that I ended up leaving. Or maybe it was Tuesday night. I don't remember. Yeah, Tuesday night I ended up leaving to the Bay. And so I was there Wednesday, Thursday. Then uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we were in Sacramento. But here's the thing that I've noticed. The people that are online using words like problematic, constantly talking about things like feminism, gay rights, LGBT rights, being trans, the people that are trying to organize different marches, for the most part, really do seem to live very sad lives. Because if you think about it, the average person that has a good life, that has a family, or even if you don't have a family in the way that you have kids and a husband or a wife or whatever your situation is, you still have other things to do. You don't have time to go through somebody's texts or tweets from five years ago, four years ago, and try to find something that they said that was racist or problematic or racially insensitive or homophobic or anti, whatever it is. You don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. Like, that's something I never do. I was talking to, to Kenny about that earlier today because he came by for a little bit. And I was talking about it with him I just have if I like somebody they're my friend and uh or a new friend and they you know hit me up on Twitter and I didn't know they had a Twitter and I'll, I'll scroll to their stuff for like you know a week or two I guess or however many tweets come up in the first like flick of the you know the screen like maybe two like okay let me see what they're up to 
uh, what their sense of humor is like or what kind of stuff they tweet. I'll check like that, but I can't imagine ever wanting to take the time to go through somebody's Twitter feed from a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, even a, a month back, you know, a f like a full month. Like, no, unless the last time you tweeted was a month ago and then you tweeted me today, then you could say I scrolled <laughs> your last month. But outside of that, I'm just not doing it. And I've just realized that a lot of the people that I argue with don't have the kind of life that I have. Like, my life is really fun. I'm getting ready to go to China. I just was in Sacramento. And I'm going to tell you guys, that Sacramento trip was really great. My friend Chris Doran was headlining. And shout out to Chris Doran because a lot of people will not have me feature for them. And this isn't a humble brag or a brag. This is a matter of fact what I'm going to drop right here. A lot of people don't want me to feature for them because I am a strong feature. And I'm going to make you work every fucking show. It doesn't matter what level of comic you are. I'm going to make you work. Now, some people, really amazing you know just it looks like less work but all of them will admit that it is work to follow me and especially when you've got me doing half an hour because that's what you do in the feature set is you do be anywhere between 20 minutes and a half an hour so I think I've explained it before but for anybody that's not familiar with comedy the way shows usually work host feature headliner so host goes on self-explanatory they usually end up doing about 15 minutes at the beginning of the show then the feature who goes up second will usually do anywhere between 20 and 30 minutes and then the headliner will usually do between 45 minutes an hour so and anybody will tell you that feature the middle spot is just the sweet spot because you have the audience when they're primed and ready. They've already gotten settled. They've ordered their drinks there and they're also not completely shit face drunk yet. So if you have a comic like me, that's just going to smack the shit out of them and make them laugh for the entire 25, 30 minutes. And then you have to follow it as a headliner. It really is saying something if you can go up and do it. And Chris Doran was able to rise to the occasion. And he admitted that he was, you know, a little not worried about it, but just, you know, he knew he was going to have to work just like with him. I've cussed him out when he's gotten off stage before and he knows it's in a friendly way, but I'll definitely give him a fuck you. You're going to make me work like that because that guy is so fucking strong. He'll he'll really make me work. And, you know, Chris Rubio is another one that I bring along that really makes me work. And like it's great and it's fun and you want somebody to put you through your paces like that, or at least I know I do. But at the same time, each time it happens, I feel like, why do I get myself into this? Why do I bring this guy along? But he's going to get to pay me back when we're uh, in Las Vegas at the end of July. So if you guys are in Las Vegas at the end of July, early August, you'll get to see Chris Dorn feature for me there. And the, the reason we hook each other up, stuff like this, like a lot of people would be like, well, if you usually headline, then why would you feature? Because I always want to stay working and I always want to be able to do new, do new clubs. And a lot of times if a club owner maybe hasn't seen your stuff yet or isn't the best about checking out emails and you can't blame the club owner or the booker for not checking out emails you, with links in them because a lot of times they just get bombarded with them and they've got a million different comics hitting them up and they don't know one from the other and some of the stuff that I'm sure they watch is really bad and so the best way to have the club owner see you or the booker see you is if a friend will bring you along to feature or another comic that really likes what you do brings you along to feature and then the club owner or booker will get to see you do a full half hour. And then after that, by seeing you in a half hour, especially a person that's actually watched comedy, will usually be able to tell, oh, this person can headline or do the 45 to an hour. And sometimes you look at people and you see the opposite. You're like, yeah, they barely were able to struggle that 30 minutes, in, you know, get that 30 minutes out. So I, I wouldn't have them headline. You see that with uh, openers a lot, too, where it's they're not really ready for even the 15 minutes. But I was really thankful to Chris for taking me along. We were at Laughs Unlimited, which is a really fun 
club and a club that I've wanted to do for a long time. I've wanted to headline there for at least two or three years. And I got to meet the owner. She was really great. She really liked my stuff. She said that she would bring me back. So I'll keep you guys posted on when I'm going to be headlining in Sacramento. I, I'm going to tell you guys right now, one thing that really has started to get on my nerves is I hate when people that call themselves fans of mine bring out shitty people with them to shows. And by shitty people, I mean they're loud, they're disruptive, they heckle. And I don't mind hecklers. I don't mind hecklers at all. Give me a second, guys. While the puppies are gone, Daddy smokes in the apartment. That's something you have to know about me. But yeah. So, I don't mind when a heckler, a heckler just happens in the audience. But if you're a person that calls yourself a fan of mine, I don't know why you would bring along people that don't know how to act at a comedy show. I would think after you'd seen me a couple of times, you want to just enjoy the show. You want to come out and see what it is I'm going to entertain you with. Not have your friend heckling through the entire show. Not just my set, but just through the entire show and get too drunk. And This can happen to anybody once. So it's not like I really think about that if it happens one time. I'm like, oh, yeah, your friend, little out of hand or whatever. Or I probably won't even mention it the first time because I am that's one place that I really excel even though I'm not always in the mood for it once a heckling situation happens almost anybody that knows me knows I'm going to come alive and it's going to be a fun situation and I'm not a person that feels like I have to get combative with hecklers once in a while I'll shut them down in a not so nice way if I just don't like the vibe they're giving but for the most part that's another thing anybody that's worked with me or seen me will tell you is I'm really great at dealing with hecklers. One thing I would tell the other comics when it comes to dealing with hecklers is sometimes the hecklers, the ones the I should... In my head, I often refer to them as the testifiers because those are the ones that will give you a lot of amens, I get you brothers, uh... He ain't lying. That that type of heckler. So they're not really being disruptive of your set. If anything, they're being overly supportive. And one thing I've learned about dealing with hecklers like that is you don't want to shut them down because they're really enjoying you. For them, it's almost like talking to the TV, you know. Some of us do that. I do that occasionally. But for them, it's sort of like talking to the TV, except for it's a live performance. So what I've learned to do is I just change my timing and start allowing for what it is I know they're likely to do. And I know some people would say you should never let the audience dictate your show that way. And I guess if it ever really got on my nerves, I would address it. But I feel like if you're good enough to spend your night watching me and my friends do stand-up in whatever position I'm playing that night, then I can be good enough to let you enjoy the show in the way that you're enjoying it, especially if you're not being truly disruptive. You're just enjoying the show a lot, so I don't mind changing my timing a bit. And the other thing is, through some of the things you say, I can come up with fun little things to say after you say whatever it is you're adding. And it may seem a little annoying at first, and there may be certain jokes that might get thrown off a little, but that's the other thing that I would tell other comics that they can do is when you know they're going to do it and you know what you have to get to in a particular joke or that you have to get there in a particular time. Because here's the deal. The way I do what I do is very organic. A lot of people have said things when they've watched me and they've been like, you're counting beats while you're on stage sometimes. Like when the audience is laughing. No, I don't ever do that. 
What I do is I pay attention to the audience. I feel the audience. And I do mean that literally. I feel the audience and what it is they're giving me. And I wait for them to be ready for the next thing. And if you're really tuned in with your audience and you're really... Because that's my job. So what else am I doing besides being engaged with this audience? Like, yeah, I could phone it in night after night and basically give people a tape recording. Just I'm literally doing it with my own mouth but i could like play a tape recorder in my head and just be like okay or a playback in my head and be like okay this is what my monologue is for the night but if i'm truly engaged for that 30 minutes to an hour whatever it is i'm doing that night then i don't see why it should be such a problem for me to adjust my timing and be very in the moment like the other night I was doing this joke where I do the letters for the LGBTQIAA ridiculousness that the gay community has turned into or the LGBT community has turned into. And uh, a lady shouted out, what does a Q stand for? And I was like, well, in that version, there's actually two Qs. And I took a minute to explain to her. And I made it funny and fun. And I also got to teach the audience, the others that may not have known. And she was grateful for it or seemed to be. Like she was all the way on the other side of the room in the back or whatever. But uh, she, you know, said like, thank you. He shouted thank you. And it was a fun moment in the show. So if I had attacked her for talking during my show, we would have missed out during that fun moment. And yeah, I would have got to do my joke exactly the way it was intended to be done or the, the way I had written it or the way I've worked on it. But it wouldn't have given us that fun moment. And I like that my audiences, people that have seen me more than once, you can call them comedy fans. I personally usually refer to them as friends because... Anybody that's trying to help me make sure that my dream comes true by showing up to these shows, I definitely do consider a friend. Now, I will get mad at my friends occasionally. Like I said, if you consistently bring out shitty people that don't know how to behave at a comedy club, yeah, I'll get mad at you like I would any other friend. And I'll be like, you know what? I don't have friends like that in my life. Because the thing with me, and anybody that knows, knows me will tell you this about me too, I'd rather have no company at all and be my own company than have shitty company around me. I'm not a person that feels like I need other people to go places with me. A couple weeks back, I wanted to watch my friend Carmen Morales and Brian Vokey, who I'm going to be on their podcast. Well, I've already we've already recorded it. I don't think it's out yet, though, but it's called their podcast is called No, Sir, I Don't Like It. And uh, SoundCloud, Podbean and iTunes, I believe. But you guys can check it out sometime. Uh, but, yeah, um, I, I wanted to watch them because they were doing this fun little show where it's called, I think it's called Comic Cinema or something Comic Cinema, and they basically recreate snippets from movies. On that particular night, it was Aladdin that they did. And I wanted to go watch them. I wasn't booked anywhere. It was a Friday night, and I was in town, so I was like, yeah, I want to watch them. So I put out on Facebook, you know, I'm going to be here watching Comic Cinema at, uh, it was at Nerd Melt. And I put that out there and was like, if anybody wants to join me, hit me up private message, and I'll let you know where when I'm going to be there. And nobody hit me up to meet me there, and... I was like, fine with that. You know, I was like, well, then I just go to the show by myself. And but if it had been somebody that I like know sucks to be around or doesn't know how to handle their alcohol or does classless stuff, then I just would have gone by myself anyway and told them that they could. I would have politely told them that they could find something else to do with their fucking night because I'm not putting up with them. It's. The way I am, and I'd rather be honest with people and politely let them know that I'd rather not have their company than just go with somebody because, oh, I'm lonely. I'm not lonely. Life feels good. Being by myself is good. I'm good company. I make myself laugh in my head. I'll record appropriately on my Instagram to give my friends sh uh, shout-outs, and I'm a completely 
non-disruptive audience member when I go to watch my friends. I get enough time on stage that I don't feel like I need to take any of the shine while they're doing what they do. I just want to enjoy what it is. Because at the heart of me, I love stand-up. That's why I started doing it. And I love comedy and I love comics. So for me, when I go out to a show, I am truly there to enjoy the show and to watch my friends do what it is I love to see get done. So if you're making me laugh, you're entertaining, I just want to enjoy it. And I want to sink into just being an audience member for the night and almost in my head kind of forget that I'm a comic. There's certain things I'm always going to pick up on, just like every other comic. We always know when, you know, the other comic has gotten the light and it's almost time for them to get off stage just by the way they acknowledge it. And you can't help but notice that kind of stuff if you're a comic. There's certain other things just in the way that a show runs or where things go kind of wrong and you're like, yeah, that's not usually the way that it usually goes. But it's part of the fun of live performance, you know, is you don't really know what's going to happen. It's not people try to script it the best they can or they try to plan it out the best they can. But at the end of the day, it's a live performance. And if something happens, then it happens. And so what I was getting at is with my friends, I will get a bit annoyed if they're a fan of comedy and a friend of mine and they show up with people that don't know how to behave, I feel like, yeah, you're not the kind of person I would really hang out with in life because I like more like-minded people, you know, the kind of people that know you don't need anybody else to go with you. My mom taught me that when I was really young. I was, um... I started going to clubs when I was 17. I got a fake ID. And so I started going to the gay clubs when I was 17. And I mean, at that time, and I'm sure it still works that way, it's just not the center of my life anymore. So I'm not exactly clear on what the schedule is. But there used to be like a schedule for the gay clubs. So you'd go to like, you know, Harley's Thursday. Well, Wednesday night was BS West, and I think Wednesday night is still BS West. This is all Phoenix stuff, but Wednesday night was BS West. Thursday night was either Harley's 155 West or um, Ain't Nobody's Business, which is a lesbian club, but Thursday nights, the gay boys would go there, a lot of them, and so like Thursday was an everybody night, so you'd go there on Thursdays a lot of times. Friday was definitely Club 155 West back at that time, and then for after hours, you'd go to Charlie's, and so on and so forth. This was the way it worked. And there was a Monday if you wanted to go to Monday. And then there was like, you know, different versions of it, depending on kind of what age group or demographic you wanted to hit on a particular night. If you wanted to go hang out with the ethnic kids rather than go to Charlie's, you'd go to Incognito, which a lot of times people would call Incognito. And uh, <laughs> mostly the black kids would call it that. But all everybody called it that. Um, also commonly referred to as the Incog. But it was a predominantly black audi or black uh, crowd at Incognito, and so that's why they started calling it Inc Incognito. And so, uh, you know, then when I first started showing up, there was a place called Bobby's, I think, where all the Latino kids went, and then that became Baco Baco, but it was in a different location, but, like, that's where all the Latino boys went. And so anyway, so that's the way it worked, right? And I had these friends that I hung out with. Their names were Oscar and Adam. And so there was this point when I was hanging out with these guys that they started getting real lame. And it wasn't their fault. I guess they just had jobs. And I had a job, too, at the time. Like, you know, we all were young, so we had these dumb little you know, nothing jobs or whatever, but jobs nonetheless. Like, you know, I was 17, 18, 19. Those were the ages I was hanging out with them. And I remember there was one particular time when they weren't able to go out. And I had gotten dressed because one of them was supposed to go out with me. I think it was Oscar. And he ended up last minute canceling on me. And my mom, who's just the best person I've ever met in my entire life, was like, Mia, what are you doing? And I was like, well, I got dressed so that I could go out, but then um, Oscar ended up canceling, so now I'm just hanging out. 
And then my mom was like, mijo, if you wait around for other people to do things, you'll never have any fun. So you might as well, since you're already dressed, you already have your own car, go out to the club by yourself. And I was like, then I'm going to be by myself and I'm going to be like a loser at the club by myself. And my mom was like, "Mm, it's only like a loser if you decide that you're a loser. Otherwise, you're just going out by yourself. Why, Why can't you go out by yourself? Why can't you be your own friend? So I went out and I had a great time. I remember that I had a really great time. And then after that, I was good to go to the club by myself. And I stopped picking my friends up even to go out. I mean, I would just tell them if they want to, they can meet me out. And I do that a lot now, too. That's why I'm glad to have the friends I have, like Nick Guerra, Carmen Morales, Kenny Lyon, all the people that I hang out with now. One of the best things about them is, yeah, every once in a while we'll meet up and we'll go out together from one of our places. But for the most part, it's just kind of like, what are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing this. Okay, well, I'm doing this. So afterwards, you want to meet at such and such. And one of us will always get there before the other. And everybody's fine to wait and not really waiting, you know, just enjoying the scenery, enjoying the other comics, enjoying life while the other is on their way there. And there's no pressure. And it's one of the best Like, that was one of the best lessons I've learned in my entire life is just not to wait around on other people. And it's made it so that I don't have to hang out with crappy people. I see it a lot because I think we're all kind of conditioned that way in this society where it's like you have to have, like, at least a partner go with you or somebody that's going to, I don't know, do what? Because all these people do when you really hang out with them in that codependent way is cock block you in different ways. And I don't mean literally cock block you, but, you know, like sometimes you're in the mood to drink, they're not, and they want to act like, well, now we got to go early because I don't feel like drinking tonight. It's like, no, I'll stay here and I'll drink, and then afterwards I'll take an Uber home and I'll pick up my car tomorrow, and I don't have to fucking worry about you like that. You're not my ride. I'm not your ride. You do what you do. I do what I does. And that's a good way to live life. So when I have these people that are coming out to my shows that consistently bring crappy people, I just feel like, yeah, you're definitely not a person I would hang out with in real life because you wouldn't bring that shit with you if you were. And that's kind of where I'm at with it. A lot going on, though, in my life right now. I had to do an interview through email the other day, which then we're going to do a follow-up, which I know we have to have a follow-up phone conversation, but I guess that's going to happen when I'm in China, which is going to be hard to figure out because time zone is completely different there. But, you know. Where there's a will, there's a way, and I'm a pretty interesting guy, so I know most of the time when people want to interview me or they want to have me on a podcast or anything like that, it's like they'll find a way to make it happen, and I do my best to make it happen as well when I can, but if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. I mean, like, I'm the interesting one in this situation when it comes down to it, and I think that more people need to think that way, even though I know a lot of people will hear me say this on my podcast, and then they'll be like, he is so full of himself. Well, they don't fucking listen. Like I told you last week, if you don't like what I'm doing, then don't fucking listen, because I feel like everybody should feel that way about themselves. You are the star of your own movie, and if you don't realize that, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, that's why I kind of get on people's nerves with my views on suicide. But it's like, you know, suicide, why would I kill myself? I'm the main character. The main character doesn't get killed off. The main character has to make it work out. The main character is the one that's holding the show. But not everybody sees it that way. So, you know, they kill themselves off in some cases. And I guess, I don't know, they need a replacement or 
Let's not get into my views on suicide because people get very in their feelings whenever I talk about suicide. And Oh, yeah, and then there's the James Comey situation going on. I guess I should talk about that a little bit. You know, here's the deal with me and people with politics right now. I mentioned that, like, not getting what everybody's resisting because I don't. I don't know what everybody's screaming about all the time, and I don't know why everybody's so bothered by everything, but it's fun for me to watch. So I, I like seeing people kind of fall apart over things that, in a lot of cases, I'm just like, yeah, this doesn't have to affect your life at all like that. And I know that people are like, but it's the country we live in, and me, 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 me. Yeah, well, that's going to continue to happen no matter what. No matter who's in office, they're going to do a bunch of shit you don't agree with. And if you you don't think that then you're not paying attention or maybe you're just wearing blinders because technically Obama did a lot of shit and again I've said it before I voted for Obama twice and I think Obama was a good president I don't have Obama regret regret at all I almost said regret <laughs> but I don't have Obama regret at all I thought he was a good president so did I think he was perfect no did I see the way he got jammed up quite a bit yes I did uh, did I also see some of the decisions he made th that just didn't jive with my thinking or what I think thought we needed to be doing? Definitely. Um, Obamacare, the rollout of it was an absolute disaster and everybody's admitted that. So it's not like I'm saying anything controversial here or anything that's news to anybody. It was it was kind of a disaster and it seemed to be turning into a disaster towards the end. And I even saw a lot of people admitting that it was basically going to collapse under itself. So something needed to be done anyway. Now, do I think that the complete repeal uh, and replacement is the best idea right now i really don't um i have been paying attention and it doesn't seem like they've come up with a solution that's going to satisfy what we as a country need and i don't mean what republicans need and i don't mean what democrats need i mean what we as a country united need not two different parties and i think that's where a lot of people fuck up is people become so blind to whatever it is their party is doing that they don't pay attention to the other shit or they won't admit that there's certain faults within certain thinking like I've admitted time and again that I wanted Bernie and Trump to go at it and I know that people say that Bernie had the better chance of winning um, when it came to if it had been him and Trump but you know supposedly Hillary had and I know popular vote and everything like that but where are we now the, our president is our president. So I saw today on CNN, it seems that a l more Democrats are starting to admit that their thinking was a bit flawed. I did agree with what Bernie said that, uh, you know, Donald Trump didn't win the election. The Democrat Democrats lost it, which is um, something I definitely do agree with. Uh, but I'm not really worried about a lot of the things that the other people that other people are worried about. And do I have regret about voting for Trump? No, I don't. I right now I do not have regret about voting for Trump. Do I wish he would lay off the Twitter? Yes, I do. I wish he would lay off the Twitter. And the main reason I think he, I wish he would lay off the Twitter is because why do you have to tweet everything out? Why can't you just blindside people with some shit? Like, and I know people are going to get mad at me for saying that, too, but that's really the way I feel about it. Just every once in a while, people don't know what the fuck they want. And even more importantly, people don't always know what they need. So if you stop telegraphing it and putting it in Twitter, then maybe you can sneak some shit by or just make some shit happen and be like, OK, bam, there it is. Deal with it. Work around it. Design your feelings around what I just did. That's the way I feel that it should be handled in some ways. And when people are like complaining about Donald Trump, what I think a lot of people need to realize is that we have a guy that craves the approval of the public more than probably any other president we've ever had in our history.
Like, he really does want people to like him. That is the way I see it. Now, he doesn't seem to care if people don't like him, or he does seem to care. It does seem to bother him. But at the same time, he's willing to stay the course even if people are mad at him. But I think that having the president that we have now could be a huge opportunity for a lot of people to get what it is they want if they just were smarter in the way that they would do it. Not try to completely jam him up every single thing he does, but let him know what it would take for him to be popular. Because I think that that's really what he wants more than anything else, is to be popular and to be liked and to be revered. I really do feel that. So if you have a person that's seeking your approval, you really are in a position of power. And sometimes I watch people deal with him, you know, just the general public, the way they deal with him. And it's just like, you're taking the wrong strategy. Like, what you have to do is accept the fact that this is our president. And yeah, I know there's the hashtag not my president. Dumbest shit in the world. Dumbest shit in the world to me. Because if Hillary had won, I would definitely be trying to make her work for me too or, you know, figure out how to start a movement to where we could get her to do what it is I needed her to do. Now, with Trump, a lot of stuff that he's already thinking about anyway, I'm on board with, so I don't really have feel like I have to guide him that way. But if you feel like you don't like what he's doing, then find a more effective way to guide him than just trying to jam him up. The reality is he's our president, and I really don't think he's going to get impeached, especially after there was the Comey, uh, the Comey testimony, you know? I mean, like, it seems like, yeah, he may have been somewhat inappropriate in the way that he did things, but it's not to the level where he was going to get, where he's going to get impeached. So I guess you can continue to wish on that and hope on that and try to throw every obstacle in his way that you want to throw in his way but at the end of the day as the american public i think we're really just screwing ourselves with that thinking i think it's smarter to figure out how to make the president do what it is you need him to do or you want him to do i mean like really i would just stroke his fucking ego and get him <laughs> and guide him that way i mean like am i the only one in this country that's ever fucked a rich old guy before because there's a way that this works there's a way that you can make this happen but what do i know i barely made it through the ninth grade so which that's another thing i was talking earlier today with kenny lyon about like i posted because it's on my facebook that i only made it to ninth grade right and sometimes I'll be, like, debating with people or arguing with people on Facebook, and they'll try to throw that in my face. Yeah, well, I saw on your on your bio that you only made it to the ninth grade. It makes perfect sense. And it's like, do you realize the way that I've just run circles around you during this whole exchange on Facebook? The reason that I share with everybody that I only made it to ninth grade, because technically I could get rid of that. I could not even have that on my Facebook if I wanted to. But I let people know that I only made it to ninth grade so that when they read that after we've been debating and after I've run circles around them, they realize they just had their asses handed to them by somebody that only made it to ninth grade. That's right. A complete idiot just fucking owned you. A ninth grade dropout just let you have it. I want you to sit with that. I want you to know that that happened for you. I want you to think about that when you look at the degree on the wall that you paid way too much money for and didn't end up getting to do anything with. Because in a lot of cases, the people that I deal with are comics. So I don't care what degree you have, you're obviously not using it. And I know that somebody's going to come at me with, I'm poli-sci, I was poli-sci major. That's the, that's the degree of Facebook arguers. I have found that one gets thrown in my face more than any other one. It's always somebody who's a poli-sci major. Well, what are you doing now? Because last time I saw you, you were slanging dick jokes with the rest of us. So I don't know what that degree, what good that degree is doing with you when you're eating shit, when I'm watching you at these open mics, or when I'm watching you not do well at shows, or when I'm watching you not succeed at comedy, but... 
I guess it makes you feel better to have spent that amount of money on that worthless piece of paper that you do nothing with except for maybe try to argue on Facebook with people that aren't me. Which, yeah, I'm, you know, that's the other thing people don't get about me. Like, when I was in school, I was really great. I mean, like, I wasn't dumb at all. I just got bored with school because I started hanging out with older... Well, I didn't start. I always hung out with older kids. Like, when I was young, my mom used to not want me to be home all the time. And not because she didn't love me. She loved me like crazy. She probably loved me too much, and that's why I came out like this. Just, you know, I feel good about myself and feel good about my life, and I think that does somewhat come from the fact that I knew all through being a kid and even now that my parents love me ridiculous amounts and like my sisters we've had our little spats here and there and we get into it like any other family does but at the end of the day I know that my sisters love me and I love them too and I think when you really have a family that you know loves you loves you loves you and you love them back like that then you don't really care too much what's going on in the rest of the world or trying try to get everybody's approval because you already have a really strong core around you but where i was going with that was my mom didn't want me to be one of those kids that always you know hung out at home doing nothing just sitting around bored so my mom would be like you know go on and do something with yourself and i remember that she would give me like five dollars or ten dollars and you know send me to the mall and obviously i'm not going to be able to go shopping with five or ten dollars but i'd be able to you know buy myself a soda buy myself a couple sodas if i wanted to and hang out for the day and then after i'd get home from school she would send me to the park a lot of times just so i could do something there i had to finish my homework and then once i was finished with my homework then i'd go out to the park and um so i started hanging out with older kids because you know I guess a lot of the other parents didn't really let their kids hang out like that. I just had to be home by the time it was dark. And one time I overstayed that by a lot. And when I came home, the police were there. And it wasn't because I was in trouble. It was just because, you know, I was an obedient kid. And when I stayed out super late, I remember it was with this girl named Leticia. And um, the two of us had been trying to um, catch and nurse this little bird that uh, I don't remember what had happened to the little bird, but I just remember that w after we got the bird, we put it in a box. It had gotten hurt somehow. It was a baby. And we put it in a box, and we took it to her house. And we were trying to figure out what to do with this bird. And I remember her dad was trying to help us figure it out, too. And I just ended up being out super late. And so I come riding up on my bike, and the police are there. And my mom was like, oh, I thought you had been kidnapped. I didn't know what had happened. Don't do that to me. And it was one of those where I knew I had messed up. And it wasn't like uh, I was in trouble kind of messed up. Like, you know you messed up when your mom is not mad at you. She's relieved to see you, which was the way it was. Like, she wasn't mad at me. She was just happy that I was alive and happy that I hadn't got kidnapped. And so um, my point was, that time I was hanging out with this girl, Leticia, but, like, when I was doing that, like, always at the park, it was always the older kids. So, like, I was in, like first second grade at these times going to the park and hanging out there till nighttime and so the other kids that were there were like fifth and sixth grade sometimes you know seventh eighth grade and so I started making friends with these kids and then I just stayed in that pattern for my entire even now I hang out with people that are older than me and most of the people that I've dated have been older than me I've dated maybe one or two people that were my same age and one that was, like, significantly younger, like, you know, um, five years younger when I was uh, 25. Yeah, when I was 25, I was with my ex, Juan, who is still one of my closest people to me in my life, and he was 20 at the time, and we met at a club. But... um. 
yeah, I've always hung out with older people. And so by the time I got to high school, when I was in ninth grade, because, you know, I made it through the ninth grade and then I quit. But um, when I was in ninth grade, then I was hanging out with people that had already graduated. And so they were buying us beer and we would, you know, hang out and drink. And we had open campus for lunch at the high school I went to and I would leave for lunch and in a lot of cases I'd never come back I'd just be gone for the rest of the day and then also I hated waking up early in the morning so since I hated waking up early in the morning I didn't even start school usually till third hour uh, so they dropped me first and second hour but you know even the school t- like the school, I guess, faculty, you would say, liked me a lot. So they put up with a lot of shit for me. Like I ended up passing ninth grade, but there were a lot of allowances made for me and my behavior, which I don't know. I, you know what? I got to admit to you guys, when these people like, you know, online and stuff like that hate me and that kind of stuff, I find it humorous because anybody that knows me knows I'm actually a really charming person and I'm I'm really fun to hang out with. And I don't say that to be full of myself or whatever, but just like pretty fucking great. So I'm always like, yeah, I guess you can hate me if you want to. You can call me racist. You can call me homophobic. You can call me transphobic. You can call me all this shit you want to call me because of certain things that I put on my Facebook and explained in different ways. And, yeah, sometimes I do explain things in ways that are, I guess, considered inflammatory to other people. But to me, I'm just talking. And this is the way that I talk all the time. And this is the way that my family talks. Like, when I'm dealing with my family, we don't have filters at all in the way that we speak with each other i've told you guys before i don't curse in front of my parents unless i'm really mad about something and i don't curse at them i'll curse in front of them you know about some fucking asshole that pissed me off and that's when i'm really pissed off and they're completely forgiving and understanding of it but my relationship with my parents is one of respect even though they are my friends and the older we get the older i get the more they become just my friends in that way but they're always going to be my parents you know they're always going to be my parents so i don't curse in front of them but like everything i say is unfiltered you know when i deal with them as far as the way i present the thoughts you know or i talk to them like i talk to you guys i just am more careful in like you know choosing not to say the f word a lot of times but it's implied and they can tell how frustrated i am by different things and they're the same with me and you know we don't agree on everything in my family like we agree on a lot of shit but we don't agree on everything and so but we don't call each other stupid because we don't agree we don't get offended by things that the other says like it could be like, yeah, I really don't agree with that. And we'll even get a little bit heated, but it doesn't go to you. Oh, you're so stupid. You never get it. You just, you're stupid. You're homophobic. You're, I mean, like those words don't even really exist in my family unless we're making fun of somebody. (laughs) And it is, it is like, you know, like we do group mentality kind of make fun of people in my in my family where it's just like oh and then they said (laughs) because everybody's just such a victim and I don't come from that kind of family so when you know people tell me things about you know their parents it's like um people are so worried about their parents getting mad at them or not liking who they date or that kind of stuff like all that stuff happened when I was younger and it might happen again where my parents might not uh, like something that I do or agree with somebody that I date or that kind of thing that might very well happen again in my life but I just always feel like yeah you're my parents so you can be mad if you want to but really where are you going (laughs) I love you and you love me you're always going to be here so you be mad you take a week if you have to because me and my mom have gotten into it because she's 
such a strong personality and it's the thing that I it's always like that right like the thing you love about somebody is also the thing that you hate about them so my mom is such a strong personality I'm such a strong personality that sometimes we will just tell each other all right I, I don't need to deal with you right now and we'll like take a week or two where we're not in each other's fan club and we won't like hang out or talk you know but how much do we get to hang out right now anyway that i'm in la and she's in phoenix but uh you know we won't get to talk for a little while or we won't choose to talk for a little while but then it always goes away again and it's always like yeah right back to where it was i love you and you love me here we are back to get on each other's nerves ready for another round and it's it's good that way you know i have people online that think they're my sworn enemies like olivia hater right that's this trans woman that's still trying to get the money for her pussy i think she's up to like a thousand eighty dollars god love her she's got to get to twenty thousand though if she wants to make that cooter happen but um she we've gotten into it several times on facebook and to me, just the fact that she's LGBT, and I do, like, go hard on her, but she goes hard on me, too, right? Uh, and so I do go hard on her. But it's because she's such a big target target So for so many zingers. Like, it's just so easy for me to, like, go after her, go after her, go after her. But it's always her that initiates it with me. And she blocked me not too long ago because I guess she couldn't take it anymore. Maybe I caught her on the wrong day or whatever. But I posted on uh, Facebook one time that she was the Pam to my Martin, which if you watch that show, Pam and Martin were always antagonizing each other, you know, and they would always zing each other. And she would zing me too. She just wasn't as good at it. But that's not my fault, you know. Um, like, you got to keep up. But anyway... She every once in a while she'd get one where I'd be like, yeah, that was funny or that was clever. But for the most part, they just fall flat because she just, you know, she what the pro I'll tell you the problem right now. It's it's really just a problem of she's too caught up in anger and gets too in her feelings over it. And since I think it's funny, the whole exchange, like the stuff she tells me, the stuff I tell her and like, you know, she gets pretty insulting in her own way. But I just don't care enough what she thinks in that way and i think that she should feel the same about me or should have felt the same about me so i used to have fun with the situation so i always had in my head that eventually she would come to her senses and realize that at at the core of it we're both lgbtqqiaa lgbtq plus let's say um and in a lot of ways we should be on the same side so even if we disagree and even if we really fucking zing each other, we can still coexist and be fun or eventually become friends or friendly. Apparently she didn't see that way because see it that way, because when I posted that she was the, <laughs> the Pam to my Martin, she said something like, I don't even know why you're thinking about me. Fuck you. Something like that. And then she blocked me. And uh <laughs> But I always like with these people, my point is there's different ones that really hate me. Uh Kate Gary, uh I got into it with her. She's a lesbian, but only cuz she says so. And her Boyfriend became a woman or started to become a woman, started to make the transition or whatever. I wasn't the most supportive. I made fun of like this or said that this article that her girlfriend wrote, Robin is her name, was a terrible article. And it just was a terrible article. It just was like, oh, I'm such a victim. Everything was a fucking victim with this thing, right? And so I said that I didn't like it. And then Kate was pretty formidable in her arguing style, her debate style. And we really went at it for a long time. But again, I was zinging the shit out of her. I got, I definitely got the best of that exchange. But at the same time, I felt like, you know, you kind of learn to respect each other, in my opinion, in these kinds of situations. You know, it's a part of... I think healthy debate and learning and, um, you know, 
Nobody hit each other. Nobody threatened physical violence. There was nothing that I considered to be particularly cross the line. Like uh, a few people got misgendered, obviously. That's another place. People talk about being misgendered, and I feel like uh, we ain't even really friends until you misgender me. Until you say girl or bitch or miss thing or something like that, then I feel like now we're getting warm. Especially if it's like a woman talking to me and she's like, girl, and it's just like an accident. And then I've had women apologize to me for that where they're like, you know, girl, I'm so sorry. You are not a girl. And I'm just like, no, go with that emotion. Let's go there because whatever's following that girl is going to be the real you and what you really want to tell me in about whatever the situation is. It's like usually like, girl, you know, I can't stand her. Girl, that, you know, something like that. And so I'm always like, go with that emotion. Let's do that. We're not friends until you misgendered me, misgender me in, in my thinking. So obviously it was on the other end. But, you know, again, that's like when you read somebody, which is what that is more than anything else. It's not being transphobic. It's not being hateful. It's not being any of that shit, really, when it comes down to it. When it's a person like me, it's really just reading somebody for what they are. It's like, okay, let's get down to the base of this. Let's get down to the basics and stop with the pleasantries or trying to put manners on everything or whatever it is you're trying to do right now. Let's not do that. Let's see exactly where we're at in this conversation. You've already hit me with a few. I hit you with a few. Why is it mine are considered out of bounds? But, you know. Some people will never get that, and it'll hinder their own growth, if you ask me. I had uh, Melissa J on last week, and that was such a great conversation, and I encourage any of you uh, and all of you, if you haven't already heard the Melissa J episode, do listen to Unbothered by Ty Rivera. Um, sometimes you have to look into their hearts is the name of the episode. And my guest is Melissa J. And that was last week. And she was so great because she's so willing to talk about like her situation, where she comes from, where she started in life where she's at now she's a trans woman uh but technically um more specifically identifies as cross-dresser or maybe more broadly yeah because transgender would be the broad term and then cross-dresser would be the way she kind of breaks it down because she doesn't plan to do any surgery or doesn't want to take any hormones and you know, when it comes down to it, I'm going to tell you guys this about myself, and this is kind of how we're going to end it. I'm willing to accept whatever shade of the rainbow you are. You just got to be a real person, and yeah, you can be mad at me at the beginning or have your feelings about me at different points, but as long as we return to a place of respect and we find a way to actually respect each other, not just me respecting you, not just me kissing your ass, because really... I don't consider you anything that special in that way. Like the fact that you're trans doesn't mean you can't be an asshole. But my thing is, I'm willing to accept whatever it is you are as long as we both respect each other. But you got to understand that I'm, I have a right to think the way that I think and I have a right to express myself however I want to express myself. I have a right to vote for whoever I want to vote for. I have all the same rights you do. You don't get to tell me what it is I'm allowed to say, not to say, what words I'm allowed to use, what words I'm not allowed to use, who I'm allowed to vote for, who I'm not allowed to vote for, any of that stuff, or how I'm allowed to feel on different topics, like whether it's gay marriage or whatever it is, politics, any of it. It's just, it's got to work both ways. The same way you're allowed to think whatever you want to think, I'm allowed to think whatever I want to think. And that's not an argument people get from me. Like, I don't tell people, the closest people to me don't get me telling them what it is they need to do. Several of my different, uh, several of my friends, or I think all of my friends voted for somebody other than who I voted for. The, the ones in my excuse me, the ones in my immediate circle um, that I hang out with. 
they all voted for, you know, oh, everybody voted for Hillary, I think. And I know I had some real Bernie supporters that were, you know, on board on that train for as long as they could be. And never once did I tell them, you're so stupid. How could you vote that way? I hear them out and they would tell me how they felt and what it was they were going through and why it is they were choosing the way they chose. And they would do that just because we're friends and we would talk about it. It wasn't like I would press them on it or be like, I don't understand how you can the fuck do I have to understand? I don't have to understand everything that goes on in your head just like you don't have to understand everything that goes in mine. Goes on in mine. At the end of the day, we all just have to respect each other. And we all just have to stay unbothered. Next week, I will be live and on location from somewhere in China. I don't know what city, town, province, village I may be in when I'm in China next week recording, but it's going to be fun. I'm going to have a lot to tell you guys, and I think I'm probably going to have the guy that basically takes me all over China as my guest next week. I think if he's open to it that I'll have Barney and we'll talk about China and what Shanghai is like specifically and what the scene is like there as far as comedy goes and you know I have my opinion from last time and I had a great time last time like I said and he'll be able to give us a little more insight so that'll be an interesting one for an interesting one for you guys and Barney is uh, Mexican American from well he has dual citizenship and he's from like El Centro or something like that so I like you know, because he's been living in Shanghai for a couple of years now. So I think it'll be really interesting if he'll do it for you guys to get a sense of what it's like being an American living in Shanghai. So everybody, thank you for listening to Unbothered by Ty Rivera. Please do subscribe to my YouTube channel. That is youtube.com slash Ty Rivera. And I recently wrote a blog that you guys can check out on um, tyrivera.com or americasfavoritefag.com, depending on what you feel like typing in and what you know how to spell. I talked a bit about Facebook on it. It's just a short blog, nothing too long for you guys to read about, just a short little post. And um, I talked about the fact that this Facebook ban has found me with uh, 700 more followers than I had when uh, I went into the band. So clearly trying to shut my voice down isn't necessarily working. But people have to learn by trial and error. I stand bothered, ladies and gentlemen. I love you all. Thanks for listening. Ty Rivera signing off.